Hello, this is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from October 23rd, 2022. It's entitled God the Restorer. This is a look into the book of Joel as we discuss such an awesome discussion in the Hebrew Bible. I hope you enjoy. God bless. Bible section of the Pew Bibles. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent against you. I will repay you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I, the Lord, am your God. And there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This part might sound familiar. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, and before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And everyone, Notice it doesn't say a few people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. This passage of scripture points to the rain that softens and waters the earth and to the one who ultimately controls the harvest. God goes beyond mere harvest and promises to a personal promise to a weary people. God promises to restore the land, the crops, and the people, so that once again peace will rule and God will reign among them. There will be no more shame for God's promises to personally be among these people, pouring forth the Spirit of God to motivate and empower that will bring many to saving grace. It sounds familiar, right? It should. It's in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It's that moment where those, you remember that, those tongues of fire 
and all of a sudden Peter stands up in front of the group of people and they all start talking and everybody amongst them are like, what are they saying? What's going on? And Peter sensed, and, and, the, and the audience, I left this part of the 815 service out, and the audience that sees this in that moment, they all start commenting on the people with tongues of fire and said, they must all be drunk. Peter stands up in front of them and says, we can't be drunk, it's too early in the morning. That's my favorite part of that story, by the way. But then he says, but this is, this, this is what we heard. This is what we learned when we were kids. Do you remember? And you, and you could hear it as Peter's looking at the people and he says, do you remember that one time in Sunday school when Joel told us that there will be this time where the old men will dream dreams and the young men will have visions and the sky will be as black as sackcloth and the sky will have these crazy things happen just coincidentally shortly after Jesus died and the world did those things. God restored the earth in just almost verbatim ways that Joel talked about. Notice that Joel talks and spends a lot of time on whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. We do this all the time. We talk about it in the aspect of healing. We talk about it in the aspect of prayer, but we never talk about it in the aspect of being in a weary world. I mean, let's face it, church. We're tired. And we're dealing with our own droughts. The world is dry. It feels dried up. It feels exhausted. The images that you see online and Facebook where places that were once green are now dry to the point where you can literally drive your car in places on Lake Eufaula that hasn't been seen since it was actually made a lake. Or the places on the Mississippi River and that have, you can walk on that haven't been able to be walked on for who knows how long. These droughts, you see, the part that's beautiful about studying the Hebrew Bible is, is that it is too often the case that we can relate to some of what they were dealing with. In the Hebrew Bible, they, they were constantly suffering, just like we are. And in the midst of their suffering, they have to find the presence of the divine, even in the dark and dreary days of their souls. And Joel gives them this word. God will restore us even in the midst of all of this. All of these awful things that have taken place. God will be there. Just hold out for some hope. I mean, it speaks to us today. Our world is and seems as if we are dried up. And we are weary. We are so exhausted from ourselves that it would be really hard for us.
us to hear Joel give them a message of hope and find the joy and peace that Peter does in the book of Acts. It's like all of a sudden it made sense. Now maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you find yourself in your own droughts. Maybe you find yourself in this place where you're asking God, God, I just, I'm done. I'm overwhelmed. And you don't feel like it's a drought. You feel as if you are drowning. But Joel gives us that comfort that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, God will restore us. Joel also talks about those who are far away. Well, that's us. I'm not saying that Joel, in some way or another, was talking about uh, October 23rd, 2022. But I would say that Joel is offering a word of hope for those that hear it in the future. Not predicting a time in the future, but just giving them a word of excitement and hope and recognition that God truly does restore us in the darkest of days. The interesting to note is thing to notice is that in the Hebrew Bible, the word spirit isn't used very often. I mean, it's it's in there, but the idea that God's spirit flows upon you. It's as if God gives a piece of God's essence to us. That it would signify a new era. Joel's prophecy is fulfilled for us as Christians when the disciples are gathered in Jerusalem. But it's deeper than this. I, I want to take us a little deeper into Joel. Joel begins this message with a deep lament, a devastation done to the land while the cutting locust, you remember this? He literally calls the locust his army. God does in Joel's book. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. And Joel is talking about this, that we cannot let that be brushed aside or reduced Many of us know this kind of grief and lament and what it feels like when there's nothing left to give. That's not necessarily God, though. In this moment, in our world, we struggle with the imagery of locusts, but you can get it. A great cloud great dark cloud covering our fields and wiping away everything in front of us where we can't find sustenance that there's nothing left but just darkness you you get it you see that Joel doesn't leave us there Joel takes a moment and he says, it's in that moment that we have to repent and pray. 
we really struggle with the repentance. Let's just face it, Christians, we, uh, we're never wrong. Why should I ask God to forgive me when I didn't do anything wrong? Why should I ask my neighbor to forgive me when I didn't do anything wrong to them? So we, we struggle with the idea of repentance. I think we, we kind of understand prayer, but it's a little selfish, maybe a little narcissistic. Joel encourages us to move towards this idea of repentance and doing it through prayer. When we pray, we pray in such a way that God hears our prayers for others as well as ourselves. The only time that we've seen this as a country might have been in the aftermath of World War II, where you saw people from all types of faiths and walks of life come together and pray in prayer vigils. You also saw churches draw lines in the sand and say, well, our prayers are much stronger than theirs. Then you saw it again in the aftermath of the bombing of the World Trade Center. Some of us remember those days. Some of us remember that in the midst of that moment, there were places that called upon people of all faiths and walks of life as they called upon their own divine beings and prayed together. And we almost got it right. And then shortly after that, we went back to our own ways. But across the world, across the country, Americans, people from all faiths and walks of life, held prayer vigils. It was at that point that we recognized that we were truly a global community, whether we want to admit it or not. As a world, we gathered to pray, and we listened deeply to our lives as well as others. Now, in the final parts of this passage of Scripture, Joel holds a promise before us. A promise where it's a prosperous, glorious season. God says, which is interesting for us, that I will repay everything that the locusts have eaten. God acts to restore and renew the earth that lies in devastation. But God isn't just interested in renewing the earth, but renewing the people of earth. God says in the book of Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God becomes the restorer of all of God's creation. 
You see, I think it's important for us to study the Hebrew Bible in the ways that that was taught. We tend to forget that Jesus was Jewish and that in his life span, he would have been taught these books as an encouragement, as proof that God restores us. You could see it throughout their entire existence. In one moment, they were in captivity. In another, they weren't. In another moment, there's suffering and famine, and then they weren't. It's, it's a, a moment of encouragement, proof that God restores us even in the darkest of days. Now notice that in the midst of this, the people that are hearing this are not looking at the world that they live in as the problem. There, there, are, there is no conversation of politics. There are no political parties in the midst of this discussion. There are no, and this is just more for fun, there are no teams that are competing against each other in great gigantic stadiums. In essence, Joel is talking about a time when all of God's creation would be together beyond the understandings of human things that keep us from God. It's a message of hope. Now, it's fascinating to me because in the midst of that, they would have been inspired by the words that were written before them. And in our Disciples Kids program, we have been studying the book of Psalms. And it's kind of awesome because Psalms has many different forms that we just don't ever talk about. Most of us read the book of Psalms chapter 23, and, and, and we, we do the Lord is my shepherd, and we kind of move on. And there might be a couple others that we grab here and there, but I don't know if you knew that there are Psalms that talk about blessings, like God blessed us with this. There's blessing the Psalms that talk about thankfulness. God, we're thankful for this. Did you know that there are Psalms that are literally just complaints? God, I don't like this. And it's your fault. Why did you let this happen, God? Did you know that? There are Psalms that do that. There are Psalms that talk about God being king and Jesus being king and, and all these other things. Well, I stretch to believe the Jesus being king part, but the Christian faith has definitely tied those things together. Interestingly enough, as we've been talking about it in Disciples Kids, there's a, a psalm that talks about God as a restorer. This might sound familiar. Psalm 65. Praise is due to you, O Zion, O God in Zion. And to you shall vows be for performed. O you who answer prayer, to you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God, of our salvation. You are the hope of all of the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. 
By your strength, you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. Now, this next part also might sound familiar to you with just a word that's my answer. You silence the roaring seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at the earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it, and you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness, and the pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks, and the valleys deck themselves with grain. And all of the people, they shout and sing together for joy. God is our restorer and gives us hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.